Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. than 20 years of your life traveling the road first as a crew chief in nascar and now as an analyst for nbc you are bound to meet some interesting characters along the way with the title location the goal is to bring you closer to some of these personalities that i've connected with and normally we do it in some great locations but it's 2020 which means the locations aren't really an opportunity so my location is my house in cornelius north carolina my guest i'm guessing is somewhere around Daytona Beach, Florida, because today's guest is Chip Wild, president of Daytona Motor Speedway, Daytona International Speedway, the World Center of Racing. There's about nine names for Daytona. But I'm telling you, Chip, I've known you a long time. Man, you're the damn president. You run the show at Daytona. <laughs> yeah, man, it's such an honor. I know, you're, you know the listeners can't see us, but I'm really uh, enjoying that big flag behind your, behind your head. The Daytona 500 2014 with Dale Jr. It's still a really special day for anybody who's a race fan. But, uh, you know, I've had the great fortune, a lot like you, for 20 years to be in the sport in some capacity. And uh, I've had some incredible opportunities running Darlington Raceway, uh, being a part of some really special organizations that, that show up at the racetrack every week, like Roger Penske and Team Penske and Bill Davis Racing. And But there's never been a bigger honor than to be a part of the Daytona International Speedway. It's just such a special place uh, and I was actually my wife and I went to Italy last summer and uh, I had a polo Daytona polo on and like people stopped and pointed like they knew that they knew what that was I mean it's a, it is an international brand uh, and you, you think about the people that have had influence over Daytona International Speedway it, the list is short but very influential. Yeah I'll, I'll be honest I've, I've been fortunate to have a great career in motorsports and that I don't know what it is, 200, 300 square feet of, of concrete that is Daytona's victory lane changed my career and life forever. And, and I understand it more the farther I get away from it, if that makes sense. The day I won the Daytona 500, I was like, this is unbelievable. But year, as years pass, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger on your resume. And you mentioned all the different jobs. We're going to go through your storyline. I love it. Um, you're about, I think we're about the same age. I just turned 41. So you're close yeah, to I turned me, right? 40 in December, yeah. Yep, so we're about the same age, which I think is amazing that you and I have backed into these two great jobs somehow, <laughs> some way. But I want to start with the here and the now. So COVID has changed the world. You got to hold the Daytona 500. It all got shut down. NASCAR came back. We're figuring out this schedule. And this weekend, we're going to see NASCAR on one of the most famous, if not the most famous road course in the U.S. I won't give it world-renowned road course. We got Lamar. We got, you know – some F1 courses over in Europe that I think are great. But in the U.S., I think of the Rolex as the marquee road course anywhere. And now we're going to unleash stock cars on it for the first time. Tell, tell me what this call was like when somebody said, hey, Chip, um, can we run the road course? Like, how did that go down? Listen, nothing surprises me after 2020, right? Yeah. All, all the crazy things we've been asked to do over the last uh, four or five months, 
Um, and you know, we, we made that announcement uh, during Speed Weeks that we would run the road course in February with the Bush Clash. So we already had you know, a little bit of a sense of what we needed to do to get the course ready. Uh, and then, you know, as we shut down in, in March, um, you know, we started immediately going back to, hey, how are we going to get back to racing, right? So a really small group of people in Daytona Beach that I had, you know, the good fortune to be a, a, a part of in some capacity um, started looking at, all right, where, where do we know where we have opportunities to race? Who, who do we have great relationships with in the, in the state government? And obviously, we have a great relationship with Governor DeSantis and and so we knew that this was an opportunity if, it, if we needed it. So uh, I brought some, some of my team back and we started working on getting the, the road course ready. And that was in March and April. And then you know, we started opening back up. We proved um, that we knew exactly what we were doing when we came back racing. We did it the right way and did it safely. Kudos to Steve O'Donnell and John Bobo and that entire team for figuring it out. Because we're seeing now other sports coming back and, they're, they're not having as much success, not for anything they're not doing, but you, know, you think about the number of people that we have that have to show up at the racetrack every week and follow these protocols in order for us to continue to go. It's pretty remarkable. And then we've been able to do it with fans as well. Uh, and I, and I, I was a part of that as well. And it's just been such an incredible experience for a 40-year-old uh, to, to be a part of something that really is – we've shown the rest of the sporting world how to do it and we get calls all the time hey how did you do this how did you do that uh and i think it's it's a really proud moment for our sport and and for uh for us to be a part of something like that yeah it it, it i agree it was a proud moment to see it come back i was fortunate enough to watch it on fox's coverage here lately i've been able to cover it with my job with nbc different for us i'm covering it from um charlotte motor speedway so i will not get the trip down to daytona um, so you're at least one beer behind because I'm sure I could have got you to buy me one beer if I were to come in person this weekend. So, no question. Yeah, you owe me one for sure. Um, talk about the challenges. When we look at a road course that has hold, held so many events, right? I mean, forever, right? The Rolex has run there. First of all, the challenges of a stock car and help us from your side, what, why the need to change the circuit? Why the chicane off turn four? I mean, I think I know the oh, answer, I but the I want to hear your side. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think the challenge is uh, just in a stock car is and they're harder to slow down. You know the mechanics of these cars better than anybody. And you barrel off into infield turn one, uh, it takes you a lot longer to slow this car down than it would uh, an IMSA car because they're built for that. They're built right. to slow down and, uh, quickly and accelerate quickly. And our, our cars on the stock car side, um, they accelerate quickly, but they're so heavy. Uh, and because we didn't have a lot of time to R&D this, when I say us, uh, in the competition department, we, we, the 550 package just wouldn't work. Uh, and so we were, we were kind of married to the 750 package um, based on what the, the, the teams had already done to prepare for Watkins Glen. So we had to solve for keeping the, the cars and the drivers safe, uh, but also putting on a good show. And so the chicane off turn four, after they started doing the modeling with the manufacturers, it just made sense to do. And I think it's going to add a really unique element to this race, right? Coming off turn four, on the brakes, off the banking, off camber, making a left-hand turn, and then you got to get right back on the racetrack. And literally, when you exit the chicane back onto the track, if you're going to pit, you're going to have to make another hard left. Yeah. Uh, so you as a crew chief, like you got, you, you got to get your driver to start thinking about that laps before. 
And, and, and I'll admit, you know, I think back to the Roval and, and the highlight package of Martin Truex Jr. chasing, you know, the wind down into the corner, Jimmy Johnson wheel hopping and spinning them. I mean, that would never have happened without that chicane coming to the start finish. And uh, I agree with you. I love the higher horsepower package. And I was doing, you know, forget simulation that, you know, all the manufacturers have. I was doing old Latarte simulation thinking if we leave the backstretch chicane like 80 miles an hour and the acceleration, we're like, oh, they're going to be going way too fast in the trial. Well, there's no way they're going to make turn one. So well, um, you'd, have, you'd, have to, you'd have to let off and get on the brakes before the start finish line to get this 3,400 pound race car slowed down. So it, uh, it, it adds an element, you know, Kyle Busch ran the Rolex 24 this year. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's run it. Kurt Busch has run it. Uh, you got a bunch of drivers uh, that have run that race, but nobody has seen it with this chicane. And certainly nobody's been uh, behind the wheel of a 3,400-pound race car trying to figure it out. So now, listen, Daytona has events all year long. I've been there for races. I've seen the pictures from the Country Music Fest. you got events for events. So perhaps this is a, a non-issue. But for me, you're now going to have the two closest cup dates that you've ever had at Daytona, right? You're going to run – the road course, and in just a few weeks, we will all be back down there for the playoff setting or the field setting for the playoffs, the final regular season event. First, before we get into this, how badass that race is going to be to set the playoffs, let's talk about just the logistics of two races so close together. I mean, honestly, Steve, like, we're ready. And we had the IMSA race on July 4th that was uh, a great way for us to re-kick off their season. So we the Rolex 24, they took a pause. We got to start uh, their season back up uh, at Daytona on July 4th, a couple of weeks ago. So we we we've been practicing, right? I would say for weeks on how we're going to figure this out. Um, the racetrack's ready. We we cars have been on the racetrack every weekend for months. Uh, well, we guess for two months now. Um, you know, the team's ready. Getting the property ready is a, it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Because the safety and security of our fans is the most important thing. And we are going to welcome fans back to the racetrack for um, the Go Bowling uh, race, the cup race this Sunday, uh, along with the truck series race, uh, the Sunoco 159. So we'll have a doubleheader for fans this Sunday at the racetrack. Uh, and then we will have fans back for the Coke Series Sugar 400 on Saturday night uh, in two weeks. So... This week, we're only opening up two injectors, so we're opening up the two entrances on the west side of the track, so it really gives us a good dress rehearsal for opening up all of the uh, injectors for the Coke Series Sugar 400 in a couple weeks, but, you know, we've practiced these protocols for, gosh, this, the team here in Daytona was in Miami when we welcomed fans back for the first time. They were also in Talladega, so we have some experience with it. We have the third try at it uh, with the EMSA the race on 4th of July. Um, this is what we live for, man. This is what we do. Uh, you know, I, it, this is our, this is why we get up and go to work every day to welcome fans back to the track and to make sure they have a great time, but also keeping them safe. So I have, um, this battle that rages in my brain all the time between history and progression and, and the moving of the Daytona night race off from 4th of July was one that it took me. I had heard whispers of it before it became official, right? Hey, what are your thoughts? Not that really people care my thoughts, but a couple of people were nice enough to ask. And it took me a week. I'm not going to say I was a home run right away because I'm like, man, since I was a kid, I've been going down there. It's 4th of July. It's this. But the longer I have processed it, the longer I have digested it, there is not a better way to end the regular season than the same way we start the regular season. We start the regular season with the Daytona 500 
And as a crew chief and a driver, you have 25 weeks to make sure the high backs in Daytona do not determine your playoff fate. Because let me tell you, nobody wants that. But, but what a way, because as so as an analyst, Chip, right, I got to sell. Anything can happen. And that is true in every race. But it's a harder sell at a mile and a half when, or in Indianapolis where the fast teams are fast and slow teams are struggle. Anything can happen on the high banks. I think this is going to be spectacular to end the regular season. Well, you saw last year, Justin Haley, never even right. heard of the kid in the Cup Series. He's your winner, right? And, and truly, I, I worked, when I first joined the sport, I worked for Bill Davis Racing. And we knew that we weren't going to be as competitive as we should be when we went to Las Vegas Motor Speedway or to Kansas Speedway. Yep. But we knew when we showed up in Daytona and we showed up in Talladega, we had just as good a shot as anybody to win. And we did. Uh, the team won the Daytona 500 with Ward Burton. And we put a ton of additional effort into those cars because we knew those were our couple shots a year to win. And you look at uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You know, they've, a couple years ago, he won the Coats Series Sugar 400. He was fast in all the super speedway races. They figured out that, that was, he was good at racing there at, at these kind of tracks. And they were fast at them. So it was a good combination. Uh, it, the unpredictability of these races is just, it's crazy. And you, you can be, and you've, you've lived it, right? Like, yes, you, you've, we came down here in uh, 2006 with the truck series. We had four trucks working for Bill Davis. We led 92 laps of a hundred lap race, 92 laps. All four of those trucks showed up back at the shop in a wad. They were all wrecked. And, and like, you, you, so it doesn't matter how fast you are for the first 92 laps or 150 laps. It's, Who's going to be there at the end that's going to push you or you're going to push them and get a run as you come off turn four? And I think it's a chess match up until that point. It makes it fun. Now, I'm, I'm a traditionalist like you, man. I, I, I love the history of our sport. It's what got us here. And, you know, if, if you know anything about me, the, the throwback race was something that I spent a lot of time and energy on. And, and so I'm with you, man. When we first started talking about it, I, I want to say I was a naysayer, but it took me a minute to get behind it. But you look at the, even the progression of the 4th of July race. When it first started, it was on July 4th at 10 a.m. Yeah, regardless of the day of the week. The fan doesn't realize yeah. it. Don't matter if that thing fell on a Wednesday. It was 4th of July, 10 a.m. 4th of July, 10 a.m. Everybody was done by 2.30 and on the beach by 3. Got to experience that afternoon thunderstorm at 4.30. Yep. We then moved it to the Saturday after the 4th of July, under the lights. 1998, they ran under the lights for the first time. Selfishly, uh, big and, day. Pepsi car, beats all the Coke cars. That was an old job, an old team. But, yep, big night. I like that night. Hey, fun fact, I was supposed to come to my first NASCAR race. That race on the 4th of July of 1998 is when I graduated from high school that year. And not my the fire year. Company, you got the fire year? I got the fire year. So my uncle, who was the CEO of Remington Arms at the time, got me and my best friend tickets. We were going to come down to Daytona Beach for the weekend. Have a good time. Spend some time maybe on Seabreeze Avenue. And then uh, go over to the – go over – had the whole thing planned, and then he got smoked out because of the because of the forest fire. So my first race wasn't the, under the lights uh, 4th of July, which was a bit of a shame. See, yo, everything. You, you brought me back. That's Butch Mock days, right? Wasn't that – Butch Mock, man. Butch Mock 75, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he had Morgan Shepard and then, and, uh, and then Rick Mast. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so anyway, so then it went to the Saturday after the 4th of July, I believe. Yeah. Like, if it didn't fall on the 4th, and then we've moved it around there. So 
we've kind of gotten off that tradition the last eight or 10 years, right? And, yeah, kudos, man. I love working for Steve Phelps. Uh, he does appreciate the, the uh, history of our sport, loves it just like you and I do, but he also is pushing us to continue to move forward. And I think this is a great example of that. Man, think about the drivers. Like, let's say Jimmy Johnson doesn't win the next two weeks, right? And he's on the bubble. How's he going to race the the Coke Series Sugar 400? Oh, yeah. I mean, is, 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 is he going to have to stay up front for 160 laps? Is he, is he going to fall to the back and figure out pit strategy? Like, you, 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 that is going to be the most interesting storyline, I think, of the entire weekend of those five, six drivers that know that they have no chance to make a mistake and can't get into somebody else's mistake. I think the only way you can do it is stay up front. Yeah, so I got to crew chief for two of the best drafters ever in Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. And let me tell you, um, both of them told me that if you're going to win a plate race, you run up front all day because everyone is a living, breathing organism and everyone races different. And if you think you're going to show up on the, on the front row with two to go and know the right move to make down the backstretch, they said no chance because you don't know what the runs feel like, what the energy feel like. They said every race is different. So at that point, I just threw my hands in the air and let them go. And as soon as I quit having an opinion, we won a lot more races at the plate tracks. So, you know, that's what made those guys great. So, listen, you touched on it a little bit. Your history in the sport from teams to tracks to NASCAR, uh, MRM, throwback, so much stuff we're going to cover. I didn't know this. I guess I should have known this because you, you're a huge sports fan. Atlanta kid who goes to Georgia. Yeah. How does an Atlanta kid that goes to Georgia end up at NASCAR? I didn't even – I didn't go to my first race until I was – I take it back. I went my senior year in high school. I think you were working uh, with Jeff Gordon at the time. Uh, maybe right out of – yeah, because I was 18, so we're the same age. Yeah, I was there. Tired yeah, guy. And I, and I remember it was the last race of the year. It was cold. And I took my girlfriend, the whole thing. All the only reason I want to do is just hang out with her. Uh, and I went with my family. I think my uncles all got real drunk. It was great. And uh, that was my first experience. Just, I remember being really cold, and I think Jeff won the championship. Yeah, probably 98, um, 97, 98. 98, won them both. I think, it's, I think it was actually 97 because, uh, yeah, it was 97. Okay, yep. so then I, uh, I wanted to do something in sports, man. Like you, I just – sports has been my whole life. From the time I could throw a baseball, shoot a basketball, whatever, I, 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 and I just – that's just my passion. Um, and so – Tried a bunch of different things in high school and college. I was an intern for the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Uh, I did some work with the PGA. I did um, what else? I mean, did a whole bunch of just different things, getting experience and like getting exposed to different sports. Um, my uncle, I was telling you about that was with Remington. Um, they they had a connection through uh, a guy named Phil Murdoch with a with a marketing company in, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Keystone Marketing. At the time, they had every big NASCAR marketing account. They had Pfizer, they had Kraft, they had WD-40. They, I mean, every uh, every big account, uh, Roger Bear and his wife, Barbara, uh, took care of. So they had a great internship program, um, and they offered me the opportunity to come do that for my senior college, so that junior year summer. I mean, I fell in love with the sport. Like, I, 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 the sensation of speed is amazing, and you, it never gets old. I mean, when you see the cars today, it's still like you get that like sensation, right? You can't. But beyond that, 
it, it, I immediately fell in love with the uh, the community. Uh, just how everybody in the community, they rally around each other, they love each other, they hate each other, but but they can hate each other, but nobody else can hate them. Yep, right, and, that's right. And, and, it, and it, like just to see over the years, like the, that, that's what drew me in. Um, there's nothing like the NASCAR community. And it starts at the top with the France family. I mean, that's the culture they've driven down for 70 plus years. And um, so before I went back for my senior year of college, Roger offered me a job when I got out. And, uh, and so I worked for him for about 18 months. And then, uh, uh, <laughs> and then, then I went to work for Bill Davis, uh, doing, uh, PR for Kenny Wallace and Scott Wimmer. You can believe that. Yeah. That was on so the Kenny Wallace was the first driver I worked with, uh, on the race team side. And I mean, the man is hilarious. So he, he calls me last, maybe it was, it was called me like in January or no. I take that back. I'm in our VP's uh, of ops office on a Saturday. And security calls and said, there's a guy who says, Kenny Wallace at the gate. He says, I need to let him in. And uh, I'm like, no way. So I call him. I go, are you really the gate? He's like, let me in. I got to get in. I want to show this boy the trap. <laughs> so it was just, you know, that's how he is. And so, he, like, Kenny was a great entrance for me. And, like, I, I could go down the list of people. I learned so much from so many people that are sport a lot like you that have helped get me where I am. I did not get to be the president of Daytona International Speedway for anything I've done. It's truly the people that have invested in me and and made sure that when I screwed up, that they, they, they told me why and helped me fix it. And I screwed up a lot. I still screw up every day. Um, but to have, to have people that really invest in you is, uh, is, is the most important uh, attribute in getting, being successful. All right, so I'm going to get into your current role because I want to know what a president of the track does from day to day because I think I know and I'm sure I don't. But before I get there, every guest, we do some quick hitters. Not a lot of thoughts you can go into these. This gets everybody out there a little bit better idea of, um, of who we're talking to. So here's five really quick hitters. What's your go-to drink when you go to the bar? Uh, beer. All right, beer. Beer guy. Uh, I know you golf. I know you hoop. If you had a choice, one sport forever, which one would you play? Ooh, golf. All right, golf, golf. Now, are you a let's go on a road trip type guy or just buy me a plane ticket to get me there? I like the adventure. I mean, I like taking a road trip. All right. I won't, I won't deny that I'm road tripped out of my life. I just want to get there. I've seen, I drove from 97 to 98. I drove to every race, Texas and East. I've seen it all. So my patients are gone. Well, but yeah, but yeah, I think the, having kids now and you have kids, like the adventure of like, do you know, like we went to see my sister last weekend and driving back, we stopped three. I would never stop until we had kids. Like I don't know when people stop. Now we'll stop like three or four times. Kids want to get out and run around. It's uh, it's like the part of getting to where you want to go. That is true. Well, wait till your kids are older because now I have a DD in the house. My son's 16. So now we can go to dinner. My son can drive me home. It's like a win-win. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> All right. Other than racing, favorite sport to watch on TV? College football. All right. College football guy. All right. Flip. Forget TV. Other than racing, what's the favorite sport to go to? I'm guessing college football again. If college I know football. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, there you go. There's quick hitters with Chip Wild. We're nice and polite. We don't get too serious. Um, he is a beer guy, and he's going to owe me a beer if I can get back to Daytona. We are talking with Chip Wild, president of Daytona International Speedway, uh, the most famous racetrack, in my opinion, NASCAR. It was built there. Right? It's the World Center of Racing, so it was built there. Let's talk about what a president of a facility like Daytona does, right? Because 
I think I can imagine some of the stuff, but what don't we know? When, when you have the marquee venue, and oh, by the way, that hosts NASCAR's marquee event, what is it? What does January, February look like to host a Daytona 500 for the president? Well, I mean, it, it truly is just providing, uh, I mean, at that point, it's providing the, the, the support to your team. We have the most talented group, just like you on the racing side, you have to hire the right people and let them do their job. Um, we do that, uh, at same, same principle, right? We have the most talented people and they are just as, they share a common theme, which is the passion for uh, our racetrack and for our sport. And I mean, January and February, people, yes, they focus on the Daytona 500, but let me give you like just a, a quick a quick peek behind the curtain of January and February. So we come right out of New Year's uh, and up until 2021, uh, we're removing the ROAR, which is the test that every driver has to compete in in order to race in the Rolex 24. So we have the ROAR the first weekend, and it's not really a test. It's more like what used to be uh, the NASCAR Thunder, you yep. know, the drivers would come down. We have uh, thousands of Boy and Girl Scouts that stay on the property all weekend. We program the property for them. We have a planetarium they can check out. We do scavenger hunts. I mean, all these different things. So it's a truly become an event weekend for us. Um, with the weekend in between, we usually have a track rental, uh, and then we roll right into the Rolex 24, which is the, the biggest sports car uh, race in North America. Yeah. And, you know, it's, Speaking of which, it, it I is, underestimated how awesome the road course was, or excuse me, the infield was. Not to interrupt you, but I got to cover it. And I went down there like in 07 with Gordon, but we there, we raced, we left. But this time I got to go down there and ride around the infield. Oh boy, if you want to have an infield full of fun for a weekend, I suggest a Rolex. Yeah, you and uh, Rutledge, he keeps coming back, man. You got to come down with him. He knows all, he's got people that he knows are passing things to him. Mm -hmm. He's the guy. Uh, so, you know, we get ready, we promote and, and run that race. Uh, and then 10 days later, stock cars roll into town yep. and you know as you know it's not just about the daytona 500 it's all the activities that surround it and that's what make it great so you have the first weekend with uh, with the arc menard series and the bush clash then you have a couple of days where you're getting ready and you have media day and then you have the, the duels and the truck race and the Xfinity race and then uh, the great american race the daytona 500 we then take about literally two days to, to catch our breath we then start flipping the property to get ready for 10 days uh, of bike week. So it kicks off with, uh, with the Supercross race uh, that we, you know, we, we, we literally, Steve, are, as you're hoisting the trophy in victory lane uh, as the winner of the Daytona 500, my team's out on the ball field picking up sprinkler heads because Monday morning we're clearing all of that beautiful grass that we've been working for months trying to manicure and bringing in thousands of truckloads where the dirt start building that track. So about two weeks to, to prep the track, and then we got Supercross, and then we got the Daytona 200, and by that time, it's the middle of March. <laughs> so I, I think last year, uh, we figured we worked about 92 days straight to get ready and, per, and, and execute all of those events that I just mentioned. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts now that you say about, you know, I've enjoyed all those events, but you know, you forget when I don't have to run the racetrack or hang out at the racetrack, I go home a few days and then I come back and turn them on on TV. So it's, it's truly amazing everything that's held there. Um, give me the size. So you were president of Darlington. I always heard the rumor you had like 10 employees used to cut the grass. 
Yeah, how big? Still do, man. I don't think I haven't cut the grass a bunch during COVID down here. We had at one point, you know, we 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 couldn't have people at the racetrack. I haven't missed a day, but I've spent a lot of time the last four months on a tractor cutting grass, which I enjoy. Yeah, so at, at Darlington, we had twelve full-time employees, and that included me. Uh, but still had to put on one of the biggest races uh, of the season in the uh, Bojangles at the time, Bojangles Southern 500. Um, at Daytona, uh, up until about two months ago, we had about 150 full-time employees. Oh. Um, so, you know, you go from – and that was a tough transition for me. You know, I'm used to being really hands-on and do whatever it takes to get the job done. That's just kind of always been my – MO, you know, whatever, whatever role I had at whatever race team or at the company, uh, I just, just was one person people like, I give it to Chip, he'll figure it out and they'll do it. When you get to Daytona and you have all these people who, who, I mean, it's a well-oiled machine. It took me some time to transition from not doing everything to just helping our team and supporting our team. So it's um, and that's a, that's a hard thing to do. When you got the promotion to, to Daytona, I'll never forget. That was my concern. I said, you know, he's a great guy, but I, can he be hands like because at Darlington, damn, if my something was wrong in the bus lot or in the garage or on the TV side, you called Chip, like Chip, 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 and I'm like, I don't know if my man Chip can stay hands off enough to run something as big as Daytona. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I I do like still being hands on, but you just gotta pick and choose where when you need to be supportive and when you need to get involved and i think that's that and that's a that's a tough uh that's a tough thing to figure out um but i'll tell you like it is it has truly been just the biggest honor of my life to to be here and i said at the start of our conversation like it daytona is so special and it's special to people around the world for different reasons um and to be associated with this racetrack um and and to just say that you've worked there is truly just been the honor of my life. I mean, it is, I still drive in every day and, and I work across the street from the track and I, every day I walk, I drive up like this place is amazing. And, and, and all the, all the history, I mean, everything that's happened at that racetrack for the last 63 years. Right. Uh, it, it's remarkable, man. And, you know, like don't think it's lost on me that um, this, this job is bigger than anybody who ever sits in it. Um, it's it's about the France family legacy. Uh, it's about Lisa France Kennedy and Ben Kennedy, uh, who is one of the most remarkable young men I've ever been around. Um, and really, I'm excited about where our sport's going uh, with him at the helm. So, you, you, my job every day is to make sure that I don't screw it up. <laughs> and uh, Clay Campbell, when I first got the job at uh, I, I, I don't say I was interviewing. I was in MRN. They offered me the opportunity to go to Darlington. And I said, I don't know anything about running a racetrack. And they said, you need to go talk to Clay. He's going to be your boss anyway. So I met Clay Campbell on Highway 68 at, uh, and Highway 40 at a Ruby Tuesday. And I was nervous. I'd met the man one time. But Clay Campbell is one of the most prolific promoters in all the world. Right? Yep. I mean, you know, love the man. He's been one of my idols. So I'm nervous. I don't know the right questions to ask me. Sit down, and I looked at him. I said, "Mr. Campbell, I don't know what questions to ask you, but like, what do I need to know?" And he looked me dead in the face, and he goes, "Chip, don't f it up. <laughs> if, you, if you live by that principle every day, I love it. You'll be fine." 
Yep. So I, I turned 40 this year and he came down, I did a 40th birthday party and he came down and he printed in a, in a eight by 10, it says DFIU. And I put it on my desk every day. I look at it like, just don't mess it up, man. And you'll be okay. That's so good. That is so good. So we've talked a lot about a racetrack and events and everything. Um, so I, I want to close this. This has nothing to do with politics. I don't care if you like the president, don't like the president. It's not the point. The point is you manage a facility that on the day it was going to have its biggest crowd, its sellout crowd for the marquee event on national television with 10 million people watching on TV and hundreds of thousands of people there in person between the infield and the stands, the president decides he's going to just show up. Right. And I was there and I saw Secret Service. I won't lie. I was supposed to stay through the 500. And when I got down there and I saw the safety protocols, I called my travel person, NBC. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm going to go home Saturday night. I'm going to watch this one on TV. So, so, so just tell me, like, we know there's, there's so much behind the curtain we can't see, but how much more anxiety, pressure does that visit put on a facility and the president of the facility yourself? I mean, it was all I did all week. Um, I mean, me and uh, Mike Helton, John Saunders, uh, and a couple others, that, that, and uh, Andrew Gertis, my VP of Ops, that was our project. Because I didn't want our team to lose focus on putting on the Daytona 500. Right. It, is so, it is the most important thing that our company does all year. And so we, I did not want the President of the United States to be a distraction for them, knowing that it was going to be because of the nature of the visit, right? I mean, when the president shows up, you have to change things to accommodate him. And um, so it was an amazing experience being a part of it from the time we knew he was coming, uh, basically on Monday, I think it was our first meeting Monday of race week, uh, all the way through the Daytona 500. Um, I, I mean, I, there's stories for days just on the planning process, but the thing that I really respect out of the White House uh, more than anything else is they, they said this over and over again and they meant it. They recognize that when the President of the United States shows up at an event, at, any, at anything, it's a, it's a distraction and a disruption. And they wanted to limit the disruption as much as they could. So limiting his movements so that it wouldn't affect our fans and, and, and as much. Um, I mean, obviously we had to change some protocols because he was there, so I had to do walkthrough mags versus the wands. They, you know, they're, 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 people did have, they were inconvenienced. Yep. But to be able to say you're a part of an event that hosted the President of the United States, um, regardless of your political affiliation, it's the, it's the office of the President of the United States. Yeah. And, no. and that, and it, as an American, you, you should be proud to say that you are a part of an event where the President of the United States visited. And yeah. um, I can tell you, like, firsthand, I spent the entire time he was on the ground with him and the first lady and their, their staff. Um, he was nothing but accommodating. Uh, he was he, – anything we asked him to do, he did. Um, he, was, he was very gracious about, uh, about the, the things that we did for him. Uh, the first lady was lovely. So um, it'll be something that we, we remember. I mean, there have been three sitting presidents that have visited the Daytona 500. Um, and to be a part of one of those visits uh, is something I'll remember for the rest of my life. My wife keeps telling me I need to write all these stories down because there are like a number of things that day, Steve, that really like I've kind of not to say I've forgotten, but like the detail against it. So I started writing a lot of them down. Like, you know, here's I, my I, advice uh, to you. 
I wrote a book for 20 years. My wife told me to take notes. I didn't take any notes. I go to write this book. And for two years, all I heard was, I told you. I told uh, you to write this down. Told you so listen to your wife. She knows better. Well, it's funny. Like, there are things in that day that I really like vividly remember. But like, I had to introduce the president of the United States in front of the crowd. Right. So it was in Victory Lane versus out, uh, out in front of the venue. And I, I knew I had to do it. And I scripted out what I wanted to say. And I typically don't script remarks. Just, I mean, I, I know what I'm going to say before I go up. But with them, you know, I wanted to make yeah. sure I got it right. But it, I, because so much going, I didn't get nervous. I mean, you introduced the president of the United States of America. You should damn well be a little bit nervous, right? Well, you but get a lot of practice, though. I didn't even think you. about it. And I walk out there, and I'm like, it wasn't that bad. So listen, you, you know, you say you should get nervous, but I'm going to tell you, for those that have never been in the room, and probably most of the listeners have not, the driver's meeting for the Daytona 500 is the who's who of corporate America. I mean, the list of, we would like to welcome so-and-so, the CEO of, and so-and-so, the CMO of, and so, I mean, like, that's a pretty impressive list of people as well. I mean, that's what makes an event what it is, right? Is it's, it's, um, it's a magical event on the racetrack, but the fans, the sport, the sponsors, I mean, that, there's not, that, the energy um, in the garage area at Daytona on Sunday morning of 500 is like nothing else, right? It just, it has that buzz. And I will say it's actually, so it's not the garage, the grid of the Rolex gave that to me. When I watched Walk the Grid with the flags of all the countries and the car, the most beautiful cars in the world, the ones I dreamt of owning or dreamt of driving, here they are, the, the Ferrari, the Corvette, you name it, they're there, right? Um, so I felt that at the grid at the Rolex. I feel at the garage of the Daytona. It's a blast. So real quick to circle back where we started, fans get to go to the truck race and they get to go to uh, the cup race this weekend. And then there will be fans allowed, hopefully, for the season or regular season finale if fans are listening and they want to get a ticket where do they go daytona international speedway.com or we're calling one of my teammates at 1-800-PIT-SHOP tickets start at 49 dollars for both races if you want to go to both events the one this weekend and the coke zero will offer you a 15 dollar discount this weekend is going to be a historic moment for our sport uh, i mean our sport was founded and started on the beaches of daytona we call it the beach course uh, you you race on the beach and then you race down A1A. Uh, so this is a little bit of a nod to our roots, and it's going to be an exciting week. And can't wait to see. If you can't see it, uh, tune in live on NBC. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend of racing here at the World Center Race. Listen, I love it. I love my job. I loved my job in the garage area. I love my job talking about these races as they go around all these historic tracks. It's going to be a historic weekend, buddy. Um, it's hard to believe that you and I are about the same age because. Uh, You've done a whole lot in your career, man, from Atlanta to the president of a racetrack. Congratulations. As always, I appreciate it. And please understand this does not get you out of the beer you're going to owe me when I get to Daytona. Well, I, I thought you were going to at least bring up when we played golf in Florence, South Carolina, and you were down $375 going into the 18th hole, and you bet it all. And me and my buddy Gray Raines thought you were crazy. We we're going to walk away with 750 bucks or something. And you, and, and you walk. Hey, listen, never push a crew chief into a corner. We fight our <laughs> way out. doubling now, man. You basically just explained every golf game I have. I hope, <laughs> I hope like heck, the last three holes turn around. Yeah. All right, man, Chip. We got a golf really game coming proud, up, really man. It's proud. fun. It's going to be great. I appreciate you joining me, bud. Man, really proud to be your friend. Great job on everything you're doing, and I hope to see you soon. There you go, guys. That's Chip Wow, president 
of Daytona International Speedway. This has been LaTarte on location. Get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe, and enjoy your listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.